I love at the end of a football game when one team is trying to let you score and you don't want to score and they push you into the end zone. Have you ever seen that before? No, I just saw it now. I, that's what I mean. This has to be a first occurrence of that. Very mm-hmm. smart, heady play, though. Didn't work. It gave them a better shot. But it did not work. No, it didn't Oh, for work. one. Therefore, you should never try it again. Analytics say 0% success rate. So put that in the trash can. Don't let other teams score. You found the Crowley Show podcast where your mom listens and you should too. Check me out on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. No Brian LaMartina today. He was exposed to COVID. Or he exposed himself to COVID. He's right out there with it. We are honest. Transparent. It's true. He's shirtless Tom. Check him out on Twitter at buttonpusher970. Oh, wait. It's actually at Madden <laughs> Producer. You belong to him now. And please tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing podcasting up in here. The Steelers victorious over the Denver Broncos. They win by eight. And the final margin of victory can be accounted for. When you look at the Javante Williams spike, followed by a penalty that made it so the Broncos had to kick a field goal instead of get a touchdown, and then there was that stupid leverage penalty called on the Broncos when the Steelers kicked a field goal, but then they wound up getting the Chase Claypool touchdown. So two four-point swings, you add those together, eight points, bada-bing, bada-boom, that's the final margin of victory for Pittsburgh. So there was something to be upset about if you're a Broncos fan after the game. It looked like, and for most of the game, it was an ass-kicking, but I feel like the Broncos had a big hand in their own demise. We'll get to some of the nitty-gritty, but obviously this is massive for the Steelers because you can see a path towards relevance, and they're still in this thing. If you drop to one and four, you got to really squint hard to think that you can weasel your way back and get into a wild card spot. You can really only afford probably three more losses, maybe four more losses at that point. But at two and three, the Browns are three and two, so you're only a game behind them. Cincinnati blew it. You're only a game behind them. You're absolutely in this thing, and you can envision a way where the Steelers are 5-4 and four after nine games. Now, if the offense looks like it did for the previous three, they ain't going to beat anybody. But you can see how the Steelers can get to relevance, and it's like this. You beat Denver at home, which they did. Then, night game. Sunday Night Football, Carrie Underwood, you got Al Michaels, you got the Collinsworth slide, and you got Geno Smith. So you can see how that could and probably should be a Steelers victory. The line has not been released yet, I don't think, but the Steelers will be favored. You win that game, bam, bye week. So Ben's hand hurts, Ben's peck hurts, Ben's hip hurt, Ben's all kinds of banged up. You get him the bye. You get him to breathe, maybe have a couple of bush lights, whatever. After that, you go to Cleveland. I'm chalking that up in L. They lost today. They lost to the Chiefs. But in both of those games, while they blew it, they did. They also played really good offensive football. And we, 
all of us saw what they can do when they get rolling because it happened last year in the wild card game at Heinz Field. I chalked that up as an L. But then you got the Bears and the Lions. And the Bears got a little bit of a pulse right now. But they're still not good, and they're coming to your place, and it's a rookie quarterback, and T.J. Watt, hello, what's up? Bet you Micah Fitzpatrick gets his hands on a football in that game. Maybe he'll actually make a play. But I can see how you get to 5-4. and four. The Lions are, in a word, ass. You can get to that point, and then the schedule's really difficult. But at 5-4, and four, you're in this thing, and you're relevant. Now, I don't think the Steelers are good. I don't think this is a sign of things to come, even if they're sitting there at 5-4. and four, I don't think they're a playoff team based on the schedule that they've got at the end of the year and how they've collapsed over the last three seasons in December. I don't think they're a playoff team. But I think it's always better to be relevant than not. In this industry, it's better to talk about them when they're sort of bad, not horrendously bad. But I think today was more or less a little bit of fool's gold. And again, even sitting there at 5-4, and four, I think that's likely to be fool's gold. But you at least see the path. I think you also see the path in the way that they need to play to win games. We saw it when they took on the Buffalo Bills week number one. The defense was elite. Now you had Tyson Alualu and you weren't banged up as much. But you play great defense. You get a splash play on special teams. It doesn't matter where you get the splash, but you need to get splash There was the recipe. I think we saw it a little bit against the Denver Broncos, too. Run the ball, and they did. You play good defense. It wasn't great defense today, especially not in the fourth quarter, but you play good defense. And then Ben Roethlisberger doesn't feel like he has to be the catalyst. And the offensive line, because you're able to run the football, you keep the defense honest. And Ben only got hit two times today. Only sacked one time today. That is a massive improvement over where they've been the last three weeks. So that's the recipe. There's a recipe, Tom, and there's a path. A recipe on how to play and a path on how to get to five and four so you can fool the masses just a little bit longer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like a key ingredient to this recipe, too, is a lot of beef. We put a lot of beef up there today. Zach Gentry got to see some reps when they were running the football. I saw Derek Watt out there a couple more times today. They went with beefy boys up in the front of that line to make sure they could bolster that run game. And, crown man, it could potentially get even beefier next week when Zach Banner comes in. He might be the beefiest of them all. It's the beefy boys! I don't understand that reference. but The yeah, beastie boys. Oh, the beastie boys. But, yeah, it's the beefy boys now. Up in the front for the Steelers' offensive line. I think that's part of the recipe. As far as the path is concerned, yeah, it's just a fool's gold path. Though. It is. It's not a yellow brick road. It's made of fool's gold. It's a lot better to be 5-4, and four, I think. Of course it is. It, and it feels good, and it's fun for us because we can still talk about it like they're kind of still in it. But yeah. nationally, don't you think the perspective of you know people looking at it from the outside are going to say, this is more proof of the Broncos being frauds than the Steelers actually fixing things? I don't know. We'll have, really? we'll, have, we'll have to wait and see. See, I think it's going to come down on that side of the aisle. I think it's going to be more of, see, the Broncos, that offense is just not good, even though their defense is somewhat good. More well, they've given up 100 be... yards rushing two straight games now. Uh, I think you're probably right, given that the Steelers were 11-0 and last year and people were crapping all over them. But who cares? We won. Two and three. We did. We won. Yeah, two that was three. you. Yeah, you were exactly. out there. We did it. Two and three. All right. 
Check that box off. Three and three after Seattle. We're definitely going five and four. No question. We're in this thing. We can go to the West Coast and beat the Chargers <laughs> at SoFi. That's basically Steelers West. That's basically Heinz Field West. You know how many terrible towels are going to be at that stadium whenever but the Steelers go out there? It's going to be a joke. Excuse nice me. The, the point is you would rather be five and four because then whenever you go out to SoFi, it's a big game. Of course. And then you can get yourself a little juiced up for it. Right. Sunday night football. You know Tomlin's record on the the primetime lights and Big Ben is a part of that too. The Steelers play better when the lights are on. You think they're going color rush on Sunday against the Seahawks? Okay, back up, back up, back are. up. You're asking weird questions. I bet they are. You're throwing some generalities out there. They've had their failures in some pretty big moments of late. What can you late. expect from me? They just got a big win. They're back in this thing. See, and you know what's the most refreshing goal. part, though? But here's what's the most refreshing part. At least we saw the offense actually do stuff. You know what I mean? I know that's not the best analysis, but they actually did stuff today. Like, well, we oh, talked we about it on Wednesday. Now. Oh, we can throw the ball a little bit down the middle of the field. Like, at least it's actually something that you can grab onto and say, okay, I can see how they can get to 23 points, 24 points in a game down the road. Again, that's the recipe we're talking about. Ah, that beefy that's recipe. That's the recipe. And we talked about it on Wednesday when we did Countdown and Kickoff with Tim Benz, 7-9, ESPN Pittsburgh. The offensive line was better against Green Bay, getting a push in the running game. They had to abandon the run because they wound up getting blown out, Rogers. and there was the offsides, yeah. and Rodgers is going to happen. Rodgers! Rodgers! coming here. Of course he is. I know. But the offensive line has shown improvement two straight weeks. That is obviously the key. You can't win with a bad quarterback, and Ben has been most of the time this year a bad quarterback. But if you can run the ball and get some help from your receivers the way he did today, you can have a little bit of a pulse, and you can lead to that 5-4-ish and four -ish mark, and you can have some fool's gold, and you can at least make things interesting as it relates to a playoff spot. Should we talk about some specifics? Do we really want to get specific? If we really get specific, we might find out that this team is still a piece of crap. Well, we're only talking good things today. Okay, we're only doing positive. We're only doing the okay, good. we're only doing positive. That's fine with me. I'm actually looking to see. I love this. The Steelers ran the ball 35 times, and they passed the ball 25. I love that. That makes me hot down like, in my loins. We've talked about this. You need more of what you did in 2005, that recipe, in 2004, I should say, with Ben as a rookie. Oh, I and, love it. And you need more of what... We saw really from the Denver Broncos in 2015. You, you need to rely on the running game and you need to rely on the defense. Do you think that they've been listening to us? Because we've been saying this on this podcast from the beginning. I mean, before season even started, like this is the recipe. You know, you got to run the ball more than your. But the thing is, you got to go back to 2004 style Steelers. Now they're starting to do it. I got to start to wonder if their ears are tuning in. Yeah, that must be it. It has to be it. The reason, Tom. That I think that coming into the game, I looked at this team and just said, they're straight ass. They're done. Is because I just didn't see that they would get better at running the football. Because I don't believe in the sum of the parts on the offensive line. But if they can block the way that they did today, or some reasonable facsimile of the way that they did today, then the offense can get into the mid-20s. And if they do that, then they're going to be in a lot of football games. They're going to have a chance to win a lot of football games. You don't even really need to be amazing at blocking either because as we found out in just five short games, Pretty good. Najee Harris only needs two yards clean. He's going to turn those two yards once he gets hit into three more yards, and that's a five-yard gain just 
well, you got generating the stats, three right? yards on his own. I can have them up for you in just a second. Because the other guys, when Caitlin Balage was in there, when Benny Snell was in there, the difference was staggering. Yeah, Benny Snell had an average of four yards per carry, so it's not terrible. No. Five for 20, but he had the drop early in the game that got him benched the rest of the first half. But 5.3 yards a pop every time Najee Harris yeah. touched the ball. And I, I don't have the yards after contact, but... I mean, that's got to be were there. at least three or four they yards were there. after contact for him per rush, honestly. Like, that dude just does not go down. It's amazing. Him and Ben still need to get on better terms in the pass game. Like, the, the, I know he had the 19 targets a couple of games ago against Cincinnati, but he needs to get his head around quicker. He fell coming out of a break, although that was right around the time he was cramping. I think they need to get a little bit more in sync there. How about Chase Claypool? Because there's some good and some bad with Chase Claypool. Obviously, he had two really big plays today. One where he caught the ball on a cross, and then he's got that Martavis Bryant speed, and it was a massive play. It's deceptive, right? Like, he doesn't seem like a fast dude because I think he's so built. He's thick. He's so fast, too. He's such a perfect package if he could ever just put it all together. Well, I just think the negative for him is if he runs under it, fine. If you put it out there, you loft it, he runs under it, fine. He's not making the combat catches. I saw him miss one again on the side. Right. Yeah. And you need to make at least an attempt at that play. Hits him in the face mask. He looks like a doofus. <laughs> yeah. Now he catches the laser beam in the back of the end zone. Middle of the field, by the way, Ben Roethlisberger. You. You're allowed to throw it there. About 30 yards, too. That's a, that's a dart, and that's great. If Chase Claypool can make that play and he can make the play where he's coming across the middle of the field, makes a guy miss and turns on the afterburners, okay, but for him to really be a true star in this league, and he's got the freaking potential, he needs to be able to go up there and pluck the ball off dude's helmets. And he just hasn't shown that. More specifics. Deontay Johnson is still, to me, the Steelers' best receiver. Kind of quiet after the first touchdown. He was, but... But that's so explosive in that. It's two games in a row now where he's just... Exactly. Taking the top off the defense immediately, giving you that early lead that you can work with. Well, we talked about I mean, Ben missed a couple of college open-ish Juju Smith-Schusters against Green Bay. But if there's a guy who's going to get that open, it's Deontay Johnson. He's the best route runner on the team. Ben Roethlisberger hadn't exactly been accurate this year. So I think Deontay Johnson's role in the offense uh, needs to continue even to grow. He's been Mr. Hands so far as far as he has been concerned. I don't think I can remember a drop he's had after being like the worst of it last season. And it is, I think, still primarily a throw, short, run, long kind of offense. And Deontay Johnson's your best bet there as oh, well. no question. After the catch, he's insane. The defense. James Pierre. Roller coaster. Roller coaster performance. James Pierre with no help over the top against Cortland Sutton on the touchdown play. Yeah, that was going to happen. Now, the Steelers all game long weren't trusting Teddy Bridgewater's ability to throw the ball down the field. They were largely just playing one safety. And eventually it bit them. And in that situation, it kind of bothers me that it bit them because they're up by a couple of scores. You know they're trying to chunk you, Denver is. You don't have to play the same shell or the same single high safety you've been playing all game because, hello, the situation's changed. Throw some help over the top. Like, James Pierre, he ain't Joe Hayden. I I don't want him one-on-one in an island with no help. I, I don't trust him yet. Absolutely not. Now, at the end of the game, he makes the interception, and that's great. It shows growth, I suppose. But I think the Steelers need to 
scheme to help him a little bit better in certain situations. And then I just think the depth in the secondary, they've played a lot of guys. I don't think it means that they've got a lot of guys worthy of playing. That's I, fair. I trust Cameron Sutton. I trust Joe Hayden. I think it's fine if all four starters, and I'm I'm saying Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, and those two are good. Yeah. Then I think you can get away with just throwing a bunch of crap against the wall with your lanes and Pierre's and Norwoods. Then you can get away with it. But and Carl one, Joseph played today in the nickel. But when one of those guys, no matter which one it is, is taken out of the equation, it just you're overextending. Yes. You don't want James Pierre to have to play as much no. as he did. The Steelers' defense... Really good championship caliber in the first half. And then, boy, you want to talk about bend but don't break. Denver got down to the three-yard line at the end of the game. And the Steelers' defense was able to hold strong. But they gave up the big play to Cortland Sutton. It just, you can't count on the defense week in and week out and put that much pressure on them because eventually... The dam's just going to break, and I think frustration happens, and it boils over. I'm not saying necessarily that that's what happened in this game, but they're not going to be perfect. I mean, they gave up 19 points. That's pretty good. But you can't give it the big play when they gave it up either. I don't want to do it, Crowley. Don't make me do it. You're going to rip TJ Watt? Or Minka? Don't make me do it. Because Minka had the— I don't want to do it. On the Javante Williams— Stop trying to make me do it. Two things. Two things. Don't. Now you're going to do it. I'll do something different. I will give James Pierre credit. On the Javante Williams big run, he does not stop hustling, brings him down. Javante Williams then spikes the ball, which is when they call the penalty, brings it back. Steelers get the tackle in the backfield, I believe, by T.J. Watt at that point. They had to kick a field goal instead of kicking a touch, uh, instead of scoring a touchdown, probably. So that's big for James Pierre. But on that play, you see Highsmith gets sealed. Not a good look for Terrell Edmonds. And then Minka Fitzpatrick. Is that where you're going? No, I was going with the $80 million man. All right, let me do Minka first then. Because in the Cincinnati game, he had an interception go off his chest. Would have been a hell of a play, but you got to make that play. And he made that play his first year in Pittsburgh. You have to make that play when you're a two-time back-to-back all-pro safety Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, and whatever a, your offense looks as you. bad as it looked that's in that Cincinnati game. And he dropped an interception last week against Rodgers. So you need to make those plays when you are offensively challenged. And the Steelers are absolutely offensively challenged. you got to make those plays. So I don't think Mick has been terrible, but Minka Fitzpatrick, as a center fielder, there is a trickle-down effect, but Minka Fitzpatrick needs to, when he gets his hand on the football, he needs to make plays. Now, he had 10 tackles, and he was noticeable, and he looked shot out of a cannon at a couple of moments. But the Javante Williams run was not good, and again, you need more splash from him. He did do a good job on the other Javante Williams run, though, where it was kind of some trickery, right? Where they tossed it to him, he snuffed that out from snuffed, twenty yards sniffed, off the snuffed, ball, and sniffed, bam, snuffed, snuffed, snuffed like sniffed a candle. Him. He stiffed them, stiffed them, and snuffed them out like a candle. Yeah, yeah, lick your fingers. Mm-hmm. But that was great. But T.J. Watt, yeah, yeah, the big tackle for loss on that sequence you were talking about with James Pierre saving the touchdown and then forcing the Broncos to kick a field goal. But every time the Broncos had the ball at the end of the game, especially... That's when you need them. Especially on the last one, the last possession, when they had no timeouts. So a sack is pretty much just the dagger at any time. 
uh, listening to the radio call working the game and you see you hear that before you see it on TV I'm just staring at the wall saying I'm I'm expecting to hear Billy Big Rush and TJ Watt like I'm expecting it to happen and it just he never and then when you see it on TV he never really was getting close either so they like, did do a good job of in that final sequence it was a tackle a tight end and a running back I mean, he was getting triple blocked. I agree, but, but I've seen Miles Garrett all year get triple blocked and break through it. You know, I've seen Aaron Donald. Do, and I'm not, this sounds like I'm bashing TJ now, but I'm just saying, like, you can be the, critical. You're the allowed. class of play, when I bring up Garrett and Donald, I'm not saying it as saying, oh, those guys are above TJ. No, I'm saying I think TJ's in a class as these guys, and they're doing this, so TJ should be doing this. Uh, where was Miles Garrett at the end of that game today, that's too? That's true, though. But, th- but that's the thing. Ass, get on the field. That's the thing. You pay $80 million to T.J. Watt for that, last, Watt. Sack. For for that, that last, last sack. sack that drains 40 seconds off the clock. Because that's it. Receivers are 15, 20 yards down the field. They so got to run scramble back. back. They had no time out. Teddy's got to reorient himself because he just got sacked by a large man. Like, it's the killer, and you just never had it happen. They need their two big hosses, and I'm talking T.J. and Minka, oh, yeah. to be those guys. Hosses. Because Cam Hayward has played his tail off. And Matt I, Williamson's telling me that he's getting schemed up more than Aaron Donald so far this year, Cam Hayward. He's the most paid attention to man on a defensive line in the NFL. He also grades out as the highest rated interior he's got no defensive lineman in the sport. He's got no alu alley, he's got no to it. He's he's playing next to guys like Warmly and Henry Mondo. Of course they're going one on one against those guys. Like it's he's, an easy choice for an offensive coordinator. I'm gonna block Hayward with two guys every time. Stefan Tuitt looked svelte last week. Oh, yeah. They need him back. back. Because, again, if they can form that semblance of a running game and you minimize Ben Roethlisberger's effect or impact on a game because he had a disgustingly awful fumble today where he held on to the ball for way too long, if you can minimize Ben's impact on the game, if you can be stout up front because that is the strength of the Steelers' defense, then you're going to have a chance to have a say in this thing towards the end of the year. But... If you've got Cam Hayward and you don't get to it back, eventually we're going to see more and more of the warmlies of the world get exposed. But above all else, keep throwing those beefy boys out there. It's the beefy boys. I don't get it. Watching the uh, D- or a- ALDS, excuse me. Little socks rays. Tied up. Fenway, huh? Yeah. God, baseball is just so irrelevant right now. That's all I'm getting when I watch this game. Like, I don't care at all. I forgot that this was happening today because NFL. How stupid are they? Like, sports too long anyway, clowns. If you shortened it and made the postseason start in August, it'd be perfect. Everybody would be salivating over it. Like, but no, we got to run up against the NFL. Cut a whole month and you a half think, of the season off. You think people are watching the Rays and the Red Sox when Justin Herbert is shoving it up Baker Mayfield's rear end? 47 points to the Browns 42? No one's watching this garbage, Manfred. You're watching it right now. That's a good point. Couple things before we get some canceled. Joe Burrow on third down. Oh. He got absolutely mangled. Oh. He's running, it's a third and 12, and he gets his legs taken out, and he gets hit basically in the back. 
Uh, I only saw it live in one replay, so maybe I'm misremembering it, but he got absolutely crushed. Should have been broken in half, and it's just stupid. But I will say this about all the other three quarterbacks in the AFC North, and Ben has had this his entire career too. I respect the hell out of these guys. I mean, you know how I feel about Baker. I believe he listens to too much of the outside noise. I think that he is good, not great, and I don't see a path to him becoming great. I just think that there are limitations to his abilities. But I respect all three quarterbacks in this division in the AFC North. I think that they're gamers. Like Baker Mayfield's playing with a torn labrum right now, and man, that's balls. And we can say this because for the past 15 to 20 years, we were the only team in the division that had a gamer at the quarterback position. So we're the only ones that really have the right to say these guys are gamers. Like Browns fans, Ravens fans, Bengals fans, you don't get any say in this. We'll tell you when you have a gamer, and right now we're telling you you have gamers because we know it because we've seen it for the past 20 years. And it sucks because now all three of you have them. And we got nothing. We have nothing now. The Ravens are a winning football team right now solely because of Lamar Jackson. Um, they're banged up. Lamar Jackson's been MVP level stuff. I mean, I he's would say been maybe really, the same really thing good. for the Bengals, too. I think yeah. Joe Burrow just elevates them to being a three and two football team on the brink of four and one and beating the Packers. Like they, you just. It's weird to say, but the supporting cast in Cleveland's the best. Yeah, and everybody in the NFL is good. Like everybody who makes it to the NFL is good. Like, and I, when you have the quarterback, I have to imagine that you just get a sense of belief around the, the team in the locker room that you know guys step up a little bit more. And the Bengals players are saying to themselves, you know, we're who cares that we're the Bengals and we're the lowly Bengals? Like we can do this because we got a dude slinging the ball. Browns probably feel that sure. same way, but they're probably talking themselves into that a little bit more than the I Bengals think so. and the Ravens are having to. And Lamar, I mean, yeah, I mean, Lamar's won an MVP already. How many losses do, do the Ravens have with him at the helm? Six. It's crazy. It's ridiculous, the amount of winning that they've done with him. Uh, I did bring this up earlier. wanted to bring it up again. Denver did not play a good game at all. I mean, the Steelers did a lot of things well. No question about that. They came in, though, giving up 12.3 points per game. And the lowly Steelers offense, worst offense in the league to that point, just Put up 27 on your ass. Ran the ball on, at will. They too. really did. I mean, and and it was that, evident from the get-go, from the outset. The team that almost ended the Ravens' historic streak last week by almost holding them to under 100 yards just got ran over today. They did. And that's not a good look. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is just a guy. but You can't get down if you're the Broncos. No. Like, the Steelers scoring on that first possession, that big hitter to Deontay, was chef's kiss how you go about beating that team. You well, especially to, at home. Yeah, put a team like that be, behind, down on the scoreboard, make them, you know, they're going to try to run the ball still, but the Steelers did a good job of not letting them go too crazy running the football. It's a perfect way to go about it. you got to get up early on teams like well, that. Well, because they, I mean, Javante Williams had eight carries for 60-some-odd yards. That's a dude, by the way. He, he's he's going to be a I real mean, the speeds, dude. the yeah. speeds. And he just... Like Najee, he does not go down. He does not. Uh, if the Steelers had taken him in the first round, fine. Yeah, I don't know that I would have been upset about that. Um, but to your point, they would have run the ball to him more than eight times if yeah. they weren't down in the football game. But the Broncos, they really peed down their leg. Again, those two moments, Javante Williams, it's a stupid rule, okay? It's, an, it's idiotic. Yeah, that was awesome. Like, he should have celebrated like that. Yeah, but you can't. Right. And he's got to know that. And 
that winds up putting you back five yards, which then means you're going up against Steelers defense, which is frothing at the mouth at that point, and it just makes it that much harder to get a touchdown. And then we see it called every year, multiple times, that leverage play on the kick on the field goal. You can't have that happen if you're Denver. You know that rule. It gives you a first down if you're the Steelers. And the the dumbest adage that there's ever been in the history of football is don't take points off the board because the Steelers put up the field goal and Mike Tomlin's like, nah, we're going to take the 15 yards and we're going to, I mean, the, the, the whole don't take points off the board thing, you might as well just kick it on third down then. What are you doing if you're the Denver player, too? Like It's idiotic. It was a 48-yard field goal, correct? That was the one? Or was it in the 38-yard range? Regardless, it was in a range where there's a chance he might miss it anyway. Right. And you already got a win as a defensive unit by forcing them to kick the field goal. So you just kind of go through your motions on that. Maybe he misses it on his own, right? Because, like I said, it's a pretty far far field goal at Heinz Field. Tough place to kick. And you are if they make it who cares you got the three points you got off the field that's what you wanted in the first place so it's just you're trying to do too much you're not going to block it like we found the recipe for the steelers we also saw denver not play anywhere close i don't think to their best game i don't think they're a good team but they did not play their best game i'm going to cancel someone I'm canceling Tom Brady. What? He's so effing good. And oh. I'm not breaking any news. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. What do you have today? Five touchdowns. Five tutties again. Just a light one. And you know what? I'm watching the highlights a little bit earlier. Bread basket throws on the money, going through his reads. He'll play till 50, right? Like, you believe that? I'm never going to I'm never gonna guess at when Tom Brady's going to be done. That would mean... But I'm trying to get him done now by canceling him. Five. So he's 44, right? Yep. So we would have six more years of Tom Brady if he does get to his goal now and plays till he's 50. That's insane. Yeah, my daughter would be in third grade. That's insane to think about. She's going to start to know who Tom Brady is and, like, follow him right. and understand his legacy. He might have a whole Hall of Fame career for your daughter to see. I mean, it's he's, ridiculous. He's thrown more touchdowns. As a 40-year-old. As a 40-year-old. he is a 20-year-old. Yeah. And Belichick, open up the offense a little bit. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, come on, Bill. Seriously. Tom's canceled. Tom? I'm canceling people that don't understand how to operate when they get to a four-way intersection with a traffic light and mm-hmm. it's out or is blinking yellow or blinking red. I dealt with this a couple weeks ago, but since we couldn't really get to do the podcast for a while, I had to remember to bring this up, but it was like pulling teeth because I was in the lane that had the flashing yellow light, which, of course, is proceed with caution. So just move through the light as you will. The other side of the intersection had the blinking red lights, which means if you turn right or left onto the road or go straight, you have to treat this like a stop sign, and I'm sorry. So many jagoffs in my lane were stopping at the blinking yellow light, laying on my horn, go, You know go. what, Tom? We proceed with caution here. And don't even get me started if the light's out completely, because then it's a four-way stop sign, and no one knows what the hell that means. They're all flying through, or they're, they're two cars at a time, and then three cars this way. It's a four-way stop sign if it's out. They, it's It grinds my gears that no one understands this. You know what? What? I hate to be this guy. What? Because I hate dumb drivers on the road. What? 
until you just laid it all out there and explained it that you way. You had no idea. No, but here's the other thing, though. In the defense of the people who were stopping at the at the Blinky Yellows. How do you not know this? Okay, even if I did know it, I still might stop at the Blinky Yellows because I don't know if the other people coming the other ways know what they're doing. And I, I'm a father. I got a kid. I don't want to get by. I don't I get can't T-boned. believe you're one of these people. How I'm, did you not know that? How did you not know that basic rule of the road? Did you know what to do if it was out completely? Yeah. You just keep proceeding. I bet you thought I forgot, but I'm not going to ever cancel that bastard Al Jolson, the king of blackface. It's so disgusting to me that he still has that mausoleum up. And people aren't tweeting about it anymore. So hashtag cancel Al Jolson. The hell's going on, listeners? You know what my daughter wants to be for Halloween? Tom Brady. No, chocolate milk. And, and we said we're not going to do that because I think it, I think we could be walking out Jolson territory. You should not let her be chocolate milk. That's a great call. Depending on the costume setup. 2% milk. She's 2% milk. Maybe skim. Man, that girl's skim. Let me tell you. Oh, my God. She cannot be chocolate milk. Geno Smith walking in here next week, Tom. And then you got bye. And then you got uh, the brownies. Rivalry game. You know what that means, crowd man. The records. Throw them out. Throw them out. Three and three, four and two, don't matter. Throw that bitch at. See ya. Ballcock. We're done.